So we're talking about a living witness that escaped. Yeah, that's strange. Why? Like, how did she get out? How did she get away? Mm-hmm. This week on The Brothers Grimm, Joey discusses the murder of the Grimes sisters. A 60-year-old unsolved case of two teenage sisters who disappeared from Chicago's lavish movie palace, Brighton Theater. Yeah, I always find disappearances interesting because, I mean, you always wonder, like, how do how do people go missing and nobody notices, right? Like, especially in a town as busy as Chicago, how can how can somebody go missing uh, with nobody noticing? But I mean, I would hope if somebody noticed that I was missing, right? Well, I mean, it's not like I don't mean like notice that they're that they're gone. I mean like notice anything weird, you know? Like if if two teenage girls go missing. I would think somebody saw something. Yeah, somebody would have to have seen something. Last thing, I think that's always the thing is somebody has to have seen something. And that's what's weird about this one. Nobody saw anything. Nobody knows. So that's that's why this case was so in- interesting to me. Um, and, and honestly, some of the theories just don't seem to make sense. So uh, that being said, let's dive in. The year is 1956. Every teenage girl is obsessed with Elvis Presley as they should be. 15-year-old Barbara and 13-year-old Patricia Grimes were no different. Elvis's new movie, Love Me Tender, was playing at the Brighton Theater in Chicago, and on December 28th at 7.30 p.m., the sisters left their home to see the movie for the 15th time. 15 times. 15 times. I don't think I've ever seen a movie 15 times. Yeah, I don't know if I have either. I think I've seen The Sandlot 15 times, but probably not an Elvis movie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely not in the theater. I don't even no, not in theater at all. I think I maybe seen a movie twice. That's probably the max. No, that's a lie. I've seen one of the Star Wars, one of the Star Wars movies at least three times. Yeah, and Avengers Endgame. I think I saw that three times, but fifteen times. I mean that, and this is 1956. So, yeah, they're going to the cinema. They're going to, to watch yeah. it. <laughs> There's only one movie out. Barbara and Patricia were two of six children to Joseph Grimes, a union truck driver, and Loretta Grimes, a clerk for Park Davis Company. But up to this point, however, the couple had been divorced for 11 years and Joseph was remarried. I don't think that really has anything to do with the story, but I just want to make note of it that they were divorced and remarried. I don't know any of the, anything else about their history, though. I can't find any, whether it was a happy marriage or... Yeah. With $2.50 between the two of them, the sisters left and promised to be home by midnight. You used to be so nice Oh, going to the you know, movie for less than $2.50. <laughs> between the two of them, which means yeah. it was less than that to see the movie. I can't yeah. even get a box of Raisinets in the movies for $2.50. I know, it cost $3 to buy a Coke somewhere. Loretta assumed the girls would stay for the double feature, but when midnight passed and her daughters didn't come home, she began to worry. Two older Grimes children were sent to wait at the bus stop for the sisters, but bus after bus stopped and the girls never stepped off. Finally, after 2 a.m., it was clear something had happened to Barbara and Patricia Grimes, so Loretta Grimes called the police. I I think I probably would have called the police after, like, they didn't come home when they were supposed to. And I don't don't think there's, like, a statute of missing persons uh, time frame back in the 50s. I don't know. Yeah, there may not have been because, I mean, you don't have cell phones so you can't just call somebody. Right. So, you know, it's probably just when they miss their mark by a couple hours, 
it's probably something happened. What is it now? Like 24 hours? It's and like then... 24 or 48 hours, one yeah. of the two. That you have to wait, or the cops will make you wait until yeah, I you think can it's, file I, a missing person. I think it's 48 hours. That is so dumb. Shortly after a search began, Dorothy Weinert, a friend of Patricia's, mentioned that she was also at the theater that night. She said she sat behind the sisters in the theater, and according to Dorothy, before she left after the first film, she saw Barbara and Patricia at the concession stand, quote, seemingly in good spirits, unquote. So, so there's a witness that, that puts them at the theater seeing the movie, at least the, first, at least the first one, before the double feature. Yeah, so they actually know they were at the movie theaters at yeah. some point. They made it. They made it to the theater. But Dorothy seeing them at the concession stand would be the last time any reliable witness saw Barbara and Patricia alive. Now, this is what's interesting about this case is this, the sister's disappearance prompted one of the largest citywide hunts for missing persons in Chicago's history. Oh, I can imagine having all these, these two daughters missing, young daughters missing. Mm-hmm. It's like insane. Police and civilians combed the streets. Adjacent towns and counties offered resources. But after days of searching, things began to slow. What's interesting is reported sightings of the sisters began to flood the media outlets. Some people claimed to have seen the sisters on their way out of Chicago on a bus. Other witnesses claimed to have seen the sisters listening to Elvis Presley records in a department store. One of Patricia's classmates claimed she even received two phone calls around midnight about two weeks after the girls disappeared, and that the voice on the phone sounded like Patricia's. However, none of the stories proved to be reliable leads, and after a month of only loose threads and dead ends, the search stalled. No more, nothing else came in. You said two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. Now that's Mm. two weeks of a lot of eyewitness people claiming to have seen the sisters doing the different, leaving the, leaving town in a record store. One classmate was getting phone calls, mysterious phone calls from Patricia. It's pretty weird. It's pretty creepy. Then on January 22nd, 1957, almost a month after the sisters disappeared, a man named Leonard Prescott spotted what he thought were two mannequins on German Church Road in Willow Springs, Illinois, only 24 minutes from Chicago. So not far away from, from the city of Chicago. Instead of approaching them, he ran home to get his wife, smart, and they returned to investigate the scene together. They called the police when they realized they had found the bodies of Barbara and Patricia Grimes, naked and positioned awkwardly, with Barbara lying face down and Patricia lying face up and perpendicular to her sister, on top of Barbara. It's kind of like this. Laying on top of each other. Mm. Yeah, and like almost like a T. That's, That's strange. Yeah. Yeah, when you see the pictures of how they were positioned, because there is one crime scene photo that I was able to find, it's really creepy. Their faces were partially damaged, probably by animals, and the authorities deduced that they had probably been on the side of the road since the snowfall two weeks prior. Now, this is obviously, this is January in Chicago, very cold. Mm -hmm. So two weeks after they went missing, there was snowfall. If they were on the side of the road before that snowfall, then they could have died from being frozen to death or they could have died prior to it. Yeah, but that's good news for the police, I would think, because the, the cold and the snow would have preserved the bodies. You would think. The autopsy later revealed that the girls must have died within about four hours of going missing. Since the dinner they ate 
at home before they left for the movies was still in their stomachs. Jeez. Now, this case, they were found four months afterwards. And they were by the side of the road, so it's not like they were in a a, a hard-to-find spot. I mean, Leonard, this Leonard Prescott spotted them while driving. Was this still in the city of Chicago, like in the city limits? No, it was found. Uh, they were found about 24 minutes out in Willow Springs, Illinois, um, off of German Church Road. Now, it's not that far away from the city, 24 minutes out. Right. Right. We're talking like Kennesaw from Atlanta. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? So not that far. And and again, he spotted them from the road. Leonard Prescott spotted them from the road. So it's very it's very interesting the fact that the last meal that was in their stomachs that was able to be deduced was the meal from the ha- from their home the night they left for the movie. Yeah, and if he was able to see them from the road, why was anybody else? Right. The autopsy also showed that neither girl had alcohol in their system before they died, and that Barbara did have sexual relations before she died, although it could not be determined whether it was consensual or not. So they couldn't tell if she had been raped. They could only tell that she had had sex. We're talking about teenagers, though. It is believed the sisters had most likely been driven to the roadside location in a car with their bodies, then being dragged or lifted out of the vehicle, then placed or thrown behind the guardrail. Three wounds, resembling those typically inflicted by ice picks, were discovered upon Barbara's chest, and injuries resembling blunt force trauma were visible upon her face and head, where numerous injuries resembling bruises were also discovered upon Patricia's face and body. So these girls were beaten quite a bit. There were ice pick injuries, which, good God, terrible way to, to, to take someone out through it with an ice pick. The girl's father, Joseph Grimes, was driven to the crime scene to formally identify both bodies. The cause of death was officially murder, but the only explanation they could come up with was secondary exposure to the elements. Even though there were ice pick wounds mm-hmm. on them? Yeah. Wow. What's interesting to me is if, if they died four hours after they went missing, how can elements be the reason, the cause of death? Right. That and, you know, four hours, you know, could it be torture? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, there seem to be some conflicting reports there. Right. They're, they're going to they're gonna cause, the cause of death is going to be called murder, but they're going to use secondary exposure to the elements as the cause. Yeah. And I guess back in the 50s, you know, it's... You don't have forensics and you don't have the science isn't what it used to be or what it is today. Look, though, if I'm Joseph Grimes and they're they're claiming secondary elements, secondary exposure to the elements. Oh, yeah. I call BS. After I see ice pick wounds. mm -mm. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. I call call B. So that being said, let's get into some of the theories. Theory one, a man named Charles Leroy Melquist abducted and murdered the Grimes sisters. Now, if you're not familiar with that name. Uh, Author and formal criminal investigator Ray Johnson claims that an incident similar to the Grimes sisters, the murder of Bonnie Lee Scott, took place in Addison, Illinois, about a year after the Grimes case. Bonnie Lee Scott was killed at the age of 15 and eventually discovered naked. The man responsible for that crime supposedly made a phone call to Loretta Grimes and bragged about getting away with the murders of both Scott and the Grimes sisters. Johnson asserts that non-lethal marks on the Grimes sisters' bodies around the abdomen were very similar to the marks found on the body of Scott. Lastly, Johnson claims to have spoken to a third girl who was abducted with the Grimes sisters, but escaped. She was 14 years old at the time and did not come forward out of fear. 
Charles Leroy Melquist was convicted for the murder of Bonnie Lee Scott and sentenced to 99 years in prison. He only served 11 years of his sentence before he was released, but was never officially implicated for the Grimes killings. So how do you get released after 11 years on a 99-year sentence? Good behavior. Yeah, I guess so. Dude, that's... 99-year sentence. That's like... That's interesting. That's before, I guess, I started calling it life sentence. No, I just looked it up. That's triple life sentence. Yeah. 99 years. I just looked it up, and from Addison, Illinois to Chicago, Illinois, is 21 miles. So 23 minutes. Mm -hmm. So basically from Atlanta to where we live. Yeah. Yeah. And And they didn't think that he was worthy of a person of interest in this case. So Addison is about 20, you know, about 20 miles out from Chicago. Willow Springs is also about 20 miles out from Chicago, and yet this guy was never implicated in the murder of the Grimes sisters. And what's interesting about this report is, according to the authorities, there were non-lethal marks on the Grimes sisters around the abdomen that were similar to the marks found on the body of Scott. And the, what I find super interesting was the fact that, there, that this Johnson person claims that, to have spoken to a third girl who was abducted with the Grimes sisters. So we're talking about a living witness that escaped. Yeah, that's strange. Why? Like, how did she get out? How did she get away? Mm-hmm. You know, were they at the movies together? There's so many questions that arise. Why was she not subpoenaed? Yeah. Why Why didn't the authorities make more of an effort to talk to this living witness? Sure, yeah. Wow. It's a strange one. Uh, I, I, I like this theory. I think it's pretty likely that this is what happened to them. But there's two more that I find really interesting that I want to talk about. Theory two is Barbara and Patricia orchestrated their own disappearance and fled to Nashville, Tennessee to meet their idol, Elvis. Now, this theory sounds bizarre, but it became so popular around the time that Elvis himself publicly addressed the girls over the radio and pleaded with them to be, quote, good Presley fans and to, quote, go home and ease their mother's worries. According to New York Daily News, the police determined that Barbara and Patricia must have run away, but their mother remained convinced that her daughters would never run away, especially since they had not brought any extra money or clothes with them. Their mother also believed they would not have left behind all their new Christmas gifts, including a brand new AM radio. So there's a huge hole in this theory, and that's the fact that they only had $2.50 with them, which had to have been barely enough to cover the movie and the concession stand. Yeah, that's... That's crazy. Plus, and how far away is Chicago to Nashville? It's six hours. It's just over six hours. And that's a, six hours for teenage girls. That's a little far for them to travel by themselves. That's a long bus ride. Yeah. Like maybe three, four hours, but six hours. So let's rewind this a little bit. The the two found on the side of the road, were they identified and confirmed to be the Grimes sisters or just believed to be? Joseph Grimes, the father of, of the daughters, uh, identified the bodies so then to ha- be confirmed as the sisters. How, if, if they have confirmed bodies saying that they died four hours after they were abducted, then how, how would running away to Nashville even be a plausible theory? Yeah, four hours is not six, six and a half hours. I think it was a theory that came out uh, shortly after they disappeared because they're, they, were, they weren't found for a month. So I think this theory specifically came out after after they had disappeared before the bodies had been found. Um, I think it's interesting to note, though, 
that their faces were pretty badly damaged by you know, probably by animals. Um, and also, it's interesting that that they're that four hours after they disappeared was when they supposedly died. That means these. That means whoever killed these girls held on to the bodies for you know weeks. four weeks, yeah, at least. That's weird. And what's strange is Addison is actually west of Chicago, like due west of Chicago. Nashville is southeast of Chicago via, you know, I-65. So it's the directions don't really match mm-hmm. up either. Yeah. Addison's what? Northwest. Willow Springs is southwest. Nashville is southeast. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to go the complete opposite direction. Theory three. An Elvis lookalike abducted and murdered the Grimes sisters. This one, I know, sounds bizarre right off the bat, but hear me out a little bit. Following the discovery, a number of suspects were interviewed and cleared, but the most publicized suspect was a guy named Edward Lee Bedwell, also known as Benny, a 21-year-old troublemaking drifter, as he's described, who looked similar to Elvis. Now, this is what the, this is what the theory says. The police were more suspicious of him since some witnesses claimed to have seen Barbara and Patricia entering a car or restaurant with a man who resembled Elvis. Bedwell had gone as far as confessing to the murders. What? However, it was later shown that Benny, quote-unquote, was borderline mentally challenged and that his confession had been coerced by the Cook County Sheriff's Police. He was later cleared by then Cook County State's attorney, Benjamin Adam Lasky. Yeah, I can definitely believe, you know, somebody who may be mentally challenged... The police, they're, right. pretty, they're trying to find who did this. They can very be very persuasive. But look, if I'm that kind of guy and I look like Elvis and I, I spot some girls going, you know, being a big Elvis fan, it's easy way to an easy way to target. Oh, for sure. Especially if he's like, if he looks just like him. Because mm-hmm. I know there are some good, um, good actors out there who look and portray mm-hmm. very oh, similarly. So this one's, uh, it, it's a little less likely because, you know, a coerced con- confession, you know, if the police are desperate enough, I feel like they, I'm not going to say that they're going to do something like that, but I'm sure it happens. Well, you can look at the Central Park uh, 5 case. You know, the confessions were coerced by cops in that situation, mm-hmm. um, even though they ended up having nothing to do with it. Yep. So. Well, what do y'all think? I, I, I could see that one being realistic. You know, maybe the girls are like, hey, you know, hey, look, that looks like Elvis. And the guy, you know, he took took the opportunity, took the chance. Yeah. Come in my car. I'll play you my new record. Yeah. Could have been anything. Especially in how old did you say these girls were? Were they? They were, fi- they were 15, 15 and 13. So. I'm going with the first one. The, the known uh, abductor and killer of girls in the area, in the metro area of Chicago, yeah. Released early from prison and not even brought in as a suspect. Yeah, especially with the similarities of the cases. I'm going to have to go with that one, too, because in my opinion, the fact that there's a third girl who claims that she was that she was taken with with the Grimes sisters that escaped and and um, Charles Leroy Melquist was convicted of murder of this this Bonnie Lee Scott, who died the exact same way mm-hmm. these these other girls died. That's, I think that's that would probably be most likely. So you said this was sixty years ago, right? Nineteen fifty-six. Yeah. So this happened. was before um, the FBI had established their um, 
serial killer yep. uh, protocol. Mm. So, oh, interesting. You know, if you watch the show Mindhunter, it kind of it it documents with fiction kind of the yep. establishment of killers that have the same patterns. And so, if this had happened before that, then there may not have been the documents, the database, the protocol in in line to say, "Hey, this person has done this now as a pattern." And now we're seeing the pattern emerge. He must be the person. So, and there, you know, it makes sense why he wasn't looked at because they may not have had access to the records, mm-hmm. any number of things. And so, has there been any cases since then? As far as I could find, he's lived a clean record. So there hasn't been any any more foul play from old Charles Leroy Melquist. But that's, that's so interesting because you know it seems like somebody who would do this once, possibly twice, to you know, girls, little girls, yeah. you know, how, I don't know. Of course, like, it's also 2020, so. True, true. Is he even years. still alive? He probably, he probably isn't even alive yeah, anymore. Yeah, probably not. But what's, I I, I find this super uh, creepy because there's so many facts around this story, yet there's so little known. Yeah. We don't know how they were abducted. Mm-hmm. We don't know what actually caused their death. We don't even know when they died. We have a guesstimate of four hours after they go missing, but they don't show up for a month. And all of a sudden, a month later, their bodies are on the side of the road arranged in this. It could be, it could be, you know, very easily they were thrown out and that's just how they landed. Mm -hmm. Maybe the killer was cleaning house and was like, I've had these dead bodies here for a few weeks, I probably need to get rid of them. But I feel like at that point, they would be de- decomposed way more than they were. You would think, but if it's in the winter, you know, the cold can preserve somewhat of a body. Well, and if there was snowfall, then the snow would cover the bodies. Yep. And that's what that's what some of the investigators were saying, was that they might have been dumped way earlier than they were found. Yeah. And the snow just happened to cover them. So it's a really, really creepy story, and I it, it sucks that there's zero answers. Yeah, and I can't imagine it ever being solved at this point. It's been 60 years. Most of the people involved are no longer here with us. Highly doubt new evidence will come out as to what happened to them. That's wild. Man, that's sad. This episode was written by Joey Thompson with discussion from Jeremy Thompson and Brian McIntyre and was recorded at Starscream Studio. Grayson over at Starscream is an incredible producer and engineer, so be sure to visit starscreamstudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs. Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe, and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We want to hear your grim stories, too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.